Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Dan Salowski on class war, working class politics, real democracy, revolution, and power to the people. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. engineer, activist, and author coming to us live from Ontario, Canada. Welcome to the podcast. I, I hear you're going to be in uh, Syracuse tomorrow. What do you got What do you got going on there? Talk to me about the movement. Talk, talk to me about kind of the stuff that you're working on right now. I read some of your Substack material. Sounds like you are looking for a revolution. Is that right? We are, uh, we are doing exactly that, MC. Um, it's all about uniting the people, and uh, I mean that's that's what it is. We're in a class war here, and uniting the people is how the ninety nine percent is going to act. Uh, I mean everything. The entire system has been corrupted by the one percent. They've taken it over. We've got to exit from there. We know what they're up to. Now it's time to figure out what we're up to. So uh, we're organizing movement. It's uh, it's built on uh, a platform proposed by uh, Ralph Nader in his book. Uh, um, what's the name of his book again? Uh, uh, I don't know. It'll it'll come to me. Breaking through power. I think you put that out in 2016. It focuses on the congressional districts, the 435 Congress districts. Um, so we're looking basically to organize uh, 435 uh, districts, uh, bring all the power to the people. Uh, we're not leaders. We're here to facilitate and organize. And that's it. Bring people together with their neighbors in their communities and let them all take it from there on everything. Every platform, choose their own politicians, completely reject the existing system. And uh, we'll build our own. And when you unite enough people, people got all the power. Yeah, we do have all the power. Unfortunately, the 1%, they have the weapons. Uh, If if it's going to be a battle of force, they're probably going to win. They got tanks, helicopters, you know, uh, bazookas, um, nuclear weapons, a navy, you know. Of course, they have the domestic um, security forces here, uh, the cops. Cops are the class enemy. Uh, they are very subservient to the ruling class. They are paid usually pretty well um, for their subservience and their assistance. But uh, I'm all for a revolution, a bottom-up revolution, true democracy, you know, where the people have a say. We're not just pushing a button or pulling a lever, you know, one every once every four years for one of two terrible choices. 
uh, but real democracy where the working class and maybe poor people come together um, and we actually have a say in the in the policies and in the um, politics that, that go on in Washington, um, you know, not just ratifying decisions made by elites, but participating in, um, you know, the kind of, you know, basically taking control of our own lives, you know. Our, our lives, our politics, our local communities, our workplaces. So I'm an anarcho-syndicalist. This all appeals to me um, very much so. But uh, you're so you're in Canada, but uh, it sounds like you're um, very much involved in uh, American politics. Are you involved in politics in, in both countries, or are you more focused on what's going on here in America? Uh, well, I'm focused on, on America because what happens in America affects the rest of the planet. I mean, let's face it, the enemy itself is... It's not the politicians. It's not the cops. It's it's the one percent. Uh, it's Wall Street, uh, corporate executive boardrooms, uh, the billionaire class, if you will. Uh, they're the actual puppet masters. Everybody else is a puppet to their uh, to their whim. Um, you mentioned that they've got weapons. Well, we've got a weapon too. That weapon's called democracy, and it's got all the power in the world. Um, I mean, Malcolm X, he puts it in, uh, puts it in the most uh, concise terms, you know, when he says, uh, uh, we are not outnumbered, we're just out-organized. And I actually retweeted that today. I was looking at your Substack today, and I found that picture and actually retweeted it on a couple of my different accounts. That's a really good one. Um, and that's how the system is structured. Uh, it's a system controlled by elites. They want to keep us divided and conquered. They want to keep this um, hierarchy, you know, where they're at the top, uh, this hierarchy where, um, you know, the elites make decisions. They own all the property. They own all the shares in the corporations, which, again, is, I think I put it many times, this is, the corporations are the vehicles the elites and the 1% use to control the rest of the planet, to rob resources from the global south, to control, um, you know, essentially an army of wage slaves, you know, people in America and around the world working paycheck to paycheck just for the subsistence to get by. Some people working two and three jobs. When you want to talk about the gig economy, no health care, no retirement, um, no, um, you know, uh, benefits like sick time, paid time off. Um, no pension. <laughs> that was at one point the American dream, but that was all taken away from us. But, uh, you know, this gig economy and these corporations um, were essentially, you know, turned us into wage slaves. And at, at best case scenario, maybe you can rent yourself um, to a corporation just to get by. But that's that's kind of my biggest enemy. Uh, I, I want a democratic um, workplace. I think it's just, I want a society um, organized around local democratically organized uh, communities or workplaces um, where there's real democracy, not top-down democracy, or not like an oligarchy or a plutocracy where it's government by the rich for the rich, but, uh, you know, a, a classless society where people um, all have an equal say, you know, in what goes on. Obviously, here in American politics, if you got a lot of money, uh, you have a lot of say in, in Washington. And uh, I quote, quote the study all the time, 2014 Princeton University Essentially, 90% of the population, the American uh, electorate, has been disenfranchised. So essentially, they have absolutely no say. Their views are completely disregarded by um, the political technocrats, you know, the politicians that are, yeah, definitely they're, they're puppets of, of the 1%. So yeah, I think the, the problem is the system. And the question would be, you know, how do we, how do we change the system? How do we get to a revolution? Because there's so much... 
uh, effort directed towards keeping us itemized, keeping us isolated, preventing us from organizing, preventing us from coming together. Their goal is to keep us distracted with sports, entertainment, movies, music, whatever, you know, and to also um, divide us um, and maybe focus on the culture war and um, race war or, you know, um, things like LGBTQ rights, all that kind of stuff. They want to um, divide us and keep us from um, coming together in, in working class solidarity. And uh, they use their tools at their disposal, uh, like essentially, you know, of course, the government, but they also own the media corporations that propagandize us every single day. And some of the propaganda is very um, sophisticated and some of it is just kind of right out there in the open, uh, whether you're watching Fox News or whether you're watching a blockbuster movie, you know, the, the propaganda, uh, it, there's different forms of it. Some of it's a lot more subtle and some of it is, um, you know, right out in the open, but it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Well, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but it's like um, something I keep harping on lately. It's it's all we've done here is we've defined the problem, we've defined the enemy, and it's uh, it's time for us to build what we actually want. Everything that you listed down is something that we, the people, can actually build and create. All we have to do is put the people together and create it, and the power will shift. Essentially, what I'm what I'm talking about here is creating voting blocks. We're focusing again on the house, even though it can it can go down into more local levels, if you will. I mean, it's just the point of entry is the 435 house seats, all right. But I'm talking about every political office eventually gets from dog catcher to president. Okay, the people will decide. Who their delegate is that represents them from among themselves. And together, the people with one equal vote per person needs to discuss every issue, weigh the pros and cons, and then actually come to a consensus. And the democracy says it's 50% plus one, which means you don't get everything that you necessarily want, but you've got a system here who's fair. And if you're going to live in a community with other people, when you bring up your community, right, it's the community basically rules. And that's just the essence of democracy. So we're talking about direct democracy, participatory democracy, okay, and grassroots democracy. All the power goes to the people. Everything above, above that, okay, is merely there to facilitate democracy itself. That's it. All right. So imagine if you wanted to have a, a congressman for your district. You don't have to wait for what the cesspool, red cesspool gives you, the blue cesspool gives you. I mean, face it, we're not in the market for their cesspool. We're not in the cesspool market. So find somebody in your community that would be good for the job. I can find people in my community that would be great delegates, talk them into being in there. Then as a voting block, you go in there and you put them into that seat. And that's how you do it. And the kicker is, if you put in a good recall process, any whiff of corruption or any kind of nonsense has corrupted the existing system, a nice, simple, quick recall system, you got them replaced. Now it's the people rule. And for everything, you want health care? I mean, everybody wants health care. Why not have it? Every other country's got it. Here I am in Canada. I've got health care coverage. There's no insurance companies between me and my doctor. Doctor doesn't have to call up to get permission for a treatment. 
It's just done. There's no invoice. I just got a health card. And then I go. I don't have to bring my wallet. Just bring my health card. That's it. All right? I lived in Missouri for uh, eight years. I had a nice small farm there. Uh, I ended up with a medical issue. Lost my farm. First off, that, and this is just on healthcare alone as an example. Just on that issue alone. First off, if I went and got treatment a lot earlier, which I didn't do because I didn't have health insurance, so I just let it go. And I let it go too late. Could have been fixed probably for three or four thousand dollars, but I let it go. Became a three hundred fifty thousand dollar problem. Goodbye farm. Just like that, they'll just take it. Okay, so that the, the number one cause of bankruptcy in the U.S. Is on is for uh, health bills, medical bills. That's absolutely insane. Healthcare should be a right. And if the people want to go together and they want to create health care, then they do it. Another thing is corporations shouldn't be running the hospitals and all the rest of it either. Like, let's just build out this as an example here of the power the people can have. The people can actually hire a doctor that actually lives with them in their community. That doctor then becomes part of the community as well. Like, I don't know if you remember the old show Gunsmoke. Doc Adams looked after everybody. Not some corporation. All right, I can go on and on about the healthcare issue, but uh, I don't want to just go off into that tangent right now because the folks on democracy. So we've described, described all the problems of the current system. The current system is broken, it's corrupt, it's fouled from the top to the bottom. So we just build a new one from scratch. I consider it a huge opportunity because the people can get together. We can all get together and build what we want, not what they're giving us. Okay, we can all do that. And everybody's included. It's one person, one vote. Doesn't matter who you are. You can rebuild the justice system. The cops can be also your neighbors. You can have your own community policing and build that up yourself, not dictated by some higher authority. And yes, they've got all the weapons, they've got all this, but our weapon is democracy. And people rise up. What's the number one fear that the 1% has? What's the one peer? All the propaganda, what it's designed for, what are the cops designed for? All of that is designed to keep us divided, to keep us from uniting. It's to keep us from uniting. So how do you deal with them? How do you put fear into the 1%? You unite, do exactly the same, the very, very same thing that they're trying to prevent us from doing. You go and do it. They zig, we zag. This is a class war, and it's time to sit on a war fit footing and take it to them. Unfortunately, it's a up. class war, or unfortunately, they're winning the class war, and they have been for quite a long time. It's definitely a class war. It's it's finally time, though, that we you know fight back against our oppressors. I'm doing a lot of reading, uh, definitely historically, um, kind of going back. My favorite period of philosophy is the Enlightenment. So looking at maybe um, 17th century. Through the 19th century, um, a lot of great philosophers, Descartes, uh, maybe the father, father of modern philosophy, maybe ending with Immanuel Kant, perhaps the, the greatest philosopher in history, but a lot of great ideas. Um, and right now I'm reading a book actually by uh, Thomas Piketty, 
Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but he is a um, he is a comrade. He's a comrade of mine. He's written a lot of really good books, including Capital for the 21st Century. Right now, I'm reading a book called Capital and Ideology, and these class divides have been going on for you know basically since um, you know maybe the Romans, uh, perhaps I guess even in um, ancient Greece. If you want to go back to, I believe uh, Athens. I was looking up some. Um, some, some figures on Athens, where perhaps modern, the, at least the idea of democracy was invented. They had a democracy, but actually only 20% of the citizen body at the time was able to vote. So elites always limit democracy. Uh, democracy is a great, th- a great thing. You know, one, one uh, person, one vote, all equal votes and that sort of thing. But what they do, elites, is to, again, try to limit democracy to try to prevent um, real change in, in the society. So if you look at the founding fathers in America, uh, who did they give the right to vote to? Because America, at least in theory, was it was a democracy, right? But it was rich white property owners. Um, it wasn't women. It wasn't blacks. It wasn't Indians. So you had to be a certain race, and you had to be a certain class. Um, so what we've done over the last, I don't know, a couple hundred years is to at least expand democracy to include women, to include all races, to include, um, you know, different citizen groups within our population. But the right wing is always trying to limit democracy, you know, always trying to whatever, voter registration cards or, you know, just all sorts of things to try to make it more difficult, like for senior citizens to have to, you know, do it online or register or go down to the DMV when maybe they don't have um, just all, all sorts of different things, hoops and barriers, you know, that the right tries to do. I think on the left, we should always be looking to, you know, expand democracy because uh, I think, you know, if we have a true democracy, I think, um, you know, it's going to be pretty clear, you know, who, what's what side to vote on, you know, the 99% versus the 1%. They do have the power of propaganda. They control the entire information systems. They control the media. Um, so the, the, one of the problems that's, that's keeping us, um, you know, it's keeping them in power is a lot of people don't even know they're oppressed and exploited. Um, we don't even, you know, some, I think Marx said something like, all we have to fear, or all we have to lose is our chains, right? But a lot of people walking around today don't even see that they're in chains, you know what I mean? Don't even see that they're oppressed, exploited, exploited, alienated, um, kept out of the political um, you know, process, except maybe to ratify decisions uh, by elites. So basically what I'm trying to do is just... Uh, what, what I've what I've noticed here in my historical readings is the same the same problem has been going on class warfare. I think the history of humanity is a history of class struggle, um, at least you know in modern history and maybe even going back to the ancient Greeks. So we're talking about two thousand years, yet we've had the same problem. So in this book, Capital and Ideology, uh, they're talking about the nobility and the clergy, and they owned um, something like you know it made up less than 10% of the population, which is kind of like right now, and the, the clergy and the nobility, less than 10% of the population, if you want to go back to like the 1300s, 1400s, 1500s, he, he, he kind of um, he kind of researches it all the way up to the French Revolution where a lot of things changed. Um, but these same kind of problems where a minority, a tiny sect of the population, owns all the wealth and property. So your problem... Uh, that you've, you know, or that we're both talking about, and and the solution sounds great, um, but this is something, you know, this problem has been going on for hundreds of years. So what's what stopped the people in the 13 and 1400s from rising up and having a true democracy? Uh, and then, of course, you know, there, there's some some things changed 
during the French Revolution, right? But, you know, if you look at French society now, it's not much different than the United States. There's still a, just like every other country in the world, a tiny segment of the population that owns the vast majority of the wealth and property, you know? So the same kind of problems would happen over and over again. I mean, Ralph Nader, right? Ralph Nader was talking about the same problems. I don't, I don't, I didn't follow his career, but I know of him for sure. Uh, but he's been going at it in politics, what, since at least the 1980s. So what stopped us in the last 40 years? How come we haven't, you know, how come we haven't t- taken back uh, our, our government, our country, and uh, instituted this democracy? I, I think that I think our goal is the same, but I think it's very, very challenging. I, I see your optimism; I love it. Uh, but I, I'm not, I guess I'm not. Perhaps I'm not as optimistic as you, although I'd like to be. Well, you you, you touched on a lot of a lot of points that I like to address, but I you know I'll try and wait through into, into a couple of them that really really stick out. Uh, first off, all the way through history, we didn't have an advantage of the communication systems that we have now. Of course, there's censorship, all right, and 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 they're owned by the one percent. The systems that are out there, but the technology is there, and we are now able to converse with each other. I mean, look at us—we're thousands of miles apart, okay. Yet here we are having a conversation. Social media. All right, is a, is another aspect. It's basically like a town hall, and yes, it's we're within. It's like I described, like a, like on Twitter, I described that I think we're sitting in sort of a little bubble within Twitter, and we're sort of walled off from the overall Twitter, and they've given us a little corner to go and play in. Well, that's fine. That corner yeah. is all we need. Yeah. Okay. Our, yeah. Occasionally, something leaks out a little bit here, or something leaks in. But it's basically we're in our own little bubble. Our own little bubble, our own little ego chamber, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're all we're all describing the same problem that we all agree on. And we're yeah. doing that endlessly. Yeah. Let's shift from describing the problem, shifting into now solving. We all agree what the problems are. We got it. It's the one percent. It's nothing else. It's the one percent. Okay. So how do we do that? How do we get around to actually uniting? Because that's where our power is. And by the way, we don't have democracy. We don't have any of it. Okay, when they give you two people to vote for that both report to the same puppet master, that's not democracy. It's not a choice. Okay, we don't have democracy. Okay, but we will have it because we're going to go and take it. All right, the way you do it is with all the people in our bubble. All right, the ones that I'm talking about, the ones who get it, who understand it, we start. This is not like wake up one morning and everything has changed. This is a movement to power. We're getting more and more power as we go forward. Start moving the people together. The people that see the light need to get together, add their light together so it's got the energy and it shines so that more people can see the light. And they can come in then and join in and add their light and it shines brighter. And more people then see the light and they add theirs. How fast does this whole go? That all depends on us. That depends on the people. But you've got to start it. We can sit here and just wait for somebody to come riding in on a white horse or whatever, right, and save us all. We know that's not going to take us anywhere. We've tried it, right? We've had the Occupy movement. Millions of people got together, all against the 1%, by the way. 
And then what happened? Winter happened, whatever happened, and it just, poof, gone, ended. We need that again, but we need it permanently. Permanent has to be built into the design. We had the Bernie Sanders campaigns twice. What happened? Bernie got corrupted. Extortion is a powerful tool because you got one leader. But you create a movement, you create a movement on something where all the power is vested in the people. There is no leader to corrupt. There is no figurehead. It's an idea. It's a movement. It's a concept. There's no place for the 1% to point at and corrupt. There's nobody to do that. By going together is how we do it. And everybody lifts each other up. And the energy that we have becomes attractive to people that are now sitting there and they're enjoying or figuring that they're comfortable, but they really are oppressed and are starting to see that there's another alternative. There's not a blue cesspool and a red cesspool. There's now another choice and that other choice is them. Give them a better choice and they'll come in. How fast does soul go? That depends on us. How fast can we organize a movement in 435 districts? And these districts, each one of them, is twice a month, first and, first and third Tuesday evening of every month, town halls. Leverage them online so people can attend from home. Rotate it around the district so everybody gets a chance to attend. Yeah, you start small. So the first ones are at coffee shops or at pubs, all right? Maybe in the summer they're in parks. But you can book rooms at libraries, you can book auditoriums as you get more and more people in. Schools have facilities that they rent out to use. And you just keep adding it. You go out, you canvas. It's like we're setting up a political party that is not a political party at all. There is no political party. Yeah, that's that's we what I'm going to interject here. I, 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 the left, right, you know, liberal, conservative, uh, it's so propagandized, it's relatively meaningless. I don't even know what it means to be a liberal or a conservative. The only differences I see between Republicans and Democrats is one at least says they're for pro-choice and the other one is not. But the differences are almost indistinguishable. Uh, I think a lot of people that maybe identify as conservative and a lot of people that identify as liberal or whatever, leftist or anarchist like myself or communist, whatever, we might actually find um, that especially working class and poor people, regardless of your political denomination, uh, we have a lot more in common than we do with the elites. You know, certainly with the elites that are running the politics in Washington and that are running the mainstream corporate political parties. So that's what I'd like to do, you know, kind of with this podcast. And that's what I kind of do in my day-to-day life is I like to talk to people of different backgrounds. I love to talk to leftists and anarchists who, you know, view the world, at least politically, the same as I do. But then what I also try to do is... And I haven't had too many um, conservatives or self-proclaimed conservatives, whatever, on this podcast, but maybe I'll open up to that, is to try to find what our similarities are, what we agree on, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be some differences too. But, uh, yeah, political parties really bother me, especially these mainstream corporate parties with the Citizens United decision by the corrupt Supreme Court, which is at or near all-time low for approval in the United States, um, essentially equating money to free speech, which just is absolutely ridiculous. And that's kind of what lawyers do. Lawyers professionally change the, the, the meaning of words so that they no longer mean the, you know, their original intention, like money and speech. That's, that's ridiculous. But anyways... 
have you noticed that have you, uh, uh, with your appeals and whatnot? Um, do you see, you know, the similarities between the two parties and they're almost in, indistinguishable? What about like ideologies, conservative and uh, liberal or communist or anarchist or whatever? I think that, you know, just generally speaking, working class people, poor people, we have a lot more in common uh, than we realize, you know, although the, the media and the elites and the 1% want to, again, distract us, divide us, and keep us focused on trivial, meaningless stuff like the culture war. Well, the Red Party uh, reports to exactly to the same exact people as the Blue Party reports to. I mean, what's what's the difference there? There is, I mean, do you like, do you like to be screwed over by the Red Party or do you like <laughs> to be screwed over by the Blue Party? Neither of them are representing you. Right. So what's the point? Meanwhile, in this whole left and right thing, uh, I don't know. I've, I've called everything in this past few days. I've been called everything from a Trumpster to a communist. So go figure on the differences there, right? Come to, be, come to me to a NASCAR race weekend sometime and just see that we have so many commonalities. Everybody, want, everybody wants health care as a right. Everybody does. Everybody wants affordable housing. Everybody wants good quality education for their kids. Everybody wants clean air and water. Everybody wants crooked bankers and corporate executives in jail. They want justice. The amount of things that we are all in common on and share the same ground vastly exceed the minor differences. I go to NASCAR race weekends. Come on, man. We don't even talk about abortion. It's not even a question. We're going to talk about abortion one way or the other. These are all things in your community on an issue like abortion, which is a plain old yes or no, black or white type of answer, type of issue. Fine. 50% plus one carries the vote in your community. If it goes against you, if there's a district, you're in a district where it goes against your wishes, your choice is to move to another community over there where it goes in your favor. But otherwise, just go with what you've got. Go with the people you've got in your community and get that health care, get that good education, clean up your communities. You know what, when you start getting together in town halls with your neighbors, you know what you're also doing? You're getting to know your neighbors. How many people even know their names of their neighbors? You know what the problem with that is gonna be? It's when you go out to do your errands, like your grocery shopping, you go to the grocery mart, it's going to take you three times as long because you're running into everybody and having conversations all the time. Because the problem is you're creating up a community. It, it benefits you right off the bat. The more and more people that come in, more and more people are going to want to come in. Shine the light. Let other people see the light. They will go for it. All these other people that we're talking about, that are complaining about, they're just trotting on, not even realizing they're oppressed. Well, they're typically followers. Give them something to follow that's a better choice than what they're following now. I mean, it's, it's all there. It makes sense. And the big difference is on the propaganda is that we've got the mediums that we actually have. We could build our own system. We can build our own voting system, our own discussion systems, bring them to the district levels, 
we can do all the voting. And then when it comes to the system, when we got to put things on a ballot, we go in as a voting block and we get everything done from dog catcher to POTUS. All the people rule. We have all the power. We just have to unite because that's how that power comes to us. That's how we change everything. And to get that, you got to start it. You got to start it happening and shine that light. That's what we're up against. That's what we're going to do. We're calling our movement the permanent Occupy movement. Harkening back, the people I'm going with, right, come from the Wall Street group. They're itching to go. A lot of groups are itching to go. Think about all those coalitions that are out there, all those various groups. Okay, they're all up against the same enemy. I come from the climate fight. I realized that they're not going to change. These politicians aren't going to change. They don't need to be informed of the issues. They know what they are. Yeah, capitalism is not going to save us from the climate crisis. It caused the climate crisis. You know what I mean? Exactly. But it's, it's not that they're going to change anything anyways. They refuse to. They refuse. It's too profitable what to they burn need to oil. Do. You know, it's an oil-based economy. It's too profitable to dig up dinosaur bones, sell it all over the world, burn it, destroy the climate, and then, uh, you know, whenever it's all out, we'll go on to the next uh, resource that we can exploit, yeah. extract, and steal, maybe from the global south or anywhere else it's found. So what do you think about political parties generally? You've ran um, as a, uh, a Green Party uh, I guess, member uh, for a seat in, in uh, American politics. Talk to me about that a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. And uh, just generally, what do you think about party politics? I'm not a big fan. I think the Green Party would be just as corrupt as the Democrats or the Republicans if they had as much corporate funding. So generally, I'm an anarchist. I'm not a big fan of political parties in principle. What say you? Yeah, I'm opposed to political parties myself. Remember we were talking there earlier about having an insurance adjuster between your yourself and your doctor. Well, a political party is like having an insurance adjuster between you, the voter, and your government. They serve no purpose. It should all be independent. It was designed to be independent. George Washington actually even, uh, even warned us about political parties. He was not a so fan. Groups of individuals. that? He was not a fan of political parties. He, he, uh, he was very strongly against them. Yeah. And, and for exactly the reason that you stated, MC, it's that they become vehicles for the corrupt few to hijack the entire system. And that's what we see. Yeah, I was in the Green Party. I ran in, uh, in a district in Canada, actually. It was a couple cycles ago. Um, I was going to run as an independent. That was on my climate activism front, uh, just to raise voice to the issues, you know, no aspirations of winning it or anything like that. Um, but the Green Party talked me to going with them. Uh, the one thing that uh, was the hang-up issue was that I don't have to follow the party platform, and I can completely operate as an independent. And they gave me that, so that's how I organized. And this also gave me a lot of tools because the Green Party was not organized in the district I ran in. So I had to organize the district as well, set up a district association and all that. So I got 
a lot of knowledge that I could use now in what it takes for each of these districts to actually form a permanent entity. This is not just elections are not the way through this. They're cycles, they're clown shows. Democracy goes on continuously. Election days are only the events where everybody who decides who their delegate is going to be is going to go out and push the paperwork and hire them. It's the hiring date of the guy you've already chosen. So in your town hall, when you're sitting there, you've all agreed on this candidate. All you got to do on election day is go in, check the box for your candidate. That's it. You're a voting block. You go in as a block. You already know who's going to win. You got it already covered. Right, and then you can start changing things. You can start putting rank choice voting, all these other tools, and all that in. Because once the people are in charge, you can change absolutely everything. If there's a law that's standing in your way from doing what your community wants, you can change that law. Something wrong with the Constitution? You want to do a tweak or two to that? You can change it. That's why they have amendments in it. The people can do absolutely everything. The people have all the power. That's why the 1% has done it, because they've corrupted the system. They've corrupted the political parties. I mean, take a look at Congress. More than half of them are millionaires. The bulk of the population are not. More than half of them are lawyers. You've got people that are out there representing you who don't represent you. They're not representative of you. Right? Why do we have more truck drivers in there? Why do we have more farmers in there? I've been saying that too. Engineers, teachers, healthcare workers, doctors, nurses. Uh, I I found that the distribution is a lot different in other countries, especially in Europe. I think like Germany, there's a lot more professional... Uh, involvement in politics outside of just lawyers. Um, But yeah, what we really need is real working class representation. Our uh, representatives in Washington do not represent us. They represent corporate interests and the interests and the agenda of the elites that run this country. Yes, and electing lawyers. I mean, lawyers are always opposed to doing anything. You ever had to deal with lawyers? I've had to. It's not, a, it's not a pleasant thing. experience. Having to deal with lawyers is yeah. not a pleasant experience. They are negative. Yeah. They always tell you what you can't do. So th- this is one thing with you capitalism. Can't. There's a lot of bullshit jobs. There, there's a lot of bullshit jobs out there, like real working class representation, people that actually work for a living, people that don't necessarily work from home, that don't do emails and you know schedule meetings and that sort of thing. But people that actually work, like again, like you were saying, bus drivers, teachers nurses, uh, janitors, people that actually work for a living and are essential employees, and if they don't show up, the job doesn't get done. There's a lot of bullshit jobs in capitalism. Accountants, uh, financial analysts, uh, you know, anyone that works on Wall Street, essentially, lawyers, um, you know, insurance companies, and anyone that works for them, whether it's health insurance or other. I mean, there's just so many ridiculous bullshit jobs out there that don't contribute at all bankers, you know, that don't contribute all to the real economy or the quality of life, you know, or the, to the local community, but essentially, you know, make money 
or essentially, you know, for the 1%. They're servants of the 1%. They make money for the 1%. They, they serve the agenda of the 1%. These jobs we would not need in the local communities. We wouldn't need teams of lawyers, teams of accountants, teams of financial analysts. What we would need is definitely, you know, people that are going to teach the next generation. We're going to need nurses and doctors to take care of us. We're going to need, you know, maybe bus drivers or public transportation uh, people that are going to get us from one place to another. We're going to need construction workers to make affordable housing. We're going to need real people doing real jobs, not people that sit in cubicles or offices and work from home and wear suits and ties and work on spreadsheets all day, you know? Well, their focus is completely on one factor. It's all about money. Would you need people in there? The number one focus is on community. I mean, try, try and get a meeting with your representative. They won't even talk to you. You know why? Because you don't have the bribes. You don't have the lobbyists. There's, there's over four full-time lobbyists in Washington for every congressman. That's absolutely insane. And by the way, there's no lobbyists out there representing us. Those lobbyists are all representing the 1% interests. And a lot of times... The, uh, the power APAC has. That's insane. It is That's insane. absolutely insane. That's there's no democracy anywhere, man. It's all bullshit. You know, and a lot of times, the lobbyists, they, they write the legislation, right? The, the healthcare legislation is typically written by the big pharma lobbyists and the health insurance lobbyists. And essentially, you know, they write it and then just give it to their representative and rubber stamp it by parliament. And, you know, that's that. Real working class people have no say. So they say things like... Um, Universal health care is politically unpopular or doesn't have the votes. It's it's very popular. More the, the vast majority want universal health care. They want Medicare for all here in the United States. But who don't want it is the elites, you know, the, the people that control the big pharma uh, and people that control the health insurance companies. It's not politically popular because they own all the representatives, you know, even though a majority of the population wants it. They call it un politically un unfeasible or, you know, not not enough votes because, uh, you know, the, the people with, with the money don't want it. They want to keep the system as is. They want the status quo. Uh, and one thing you, you had mentioned about um, parliamentary politics and electoral politics, which I agree with, is it should take you all of five minutes to decide who to vote for. Then you move right on to the next issue, you know, in the local community, the thing you want to change. And Emma Goldman, one of my uh, favorite anarchist philosophers, she said that if voting could change anything, they would have already made it illegal. So I definitely don't, um, you know, re recommend completely abandoning um, parliamentary politics or electoral politics. I think it's worthwhile to vote. But if you don't think it's worthwhile to vote, I'm fine with that, too. I'm not going to really argue one way or the other, at least the way the, the system is currently structured. Although I like the ideas that you have. I love a system uh, in the mold that, you know, you're talking about here, real democracy. But in a real democracy, again, it would take you all five minutes to decide who to vote for. Then you move on to important issues like, you know, where do we put the street sign or where do we, you know, what part of town are we going to make the affordable housing? What public transportation system are we going to use to connect one side of the town to the other or the local communities? That's the sort of stuff, the real issues. I also oppose full-time politicians. I don't think we need full-time politicians, like you were saying. They're just kind of the middlemen. Uh, what we need is maybe real class, um, real working class representation. Maybe you do that job for the next year or so, and then you go back to what you, you're good at, whatever you do full-time, you know, your skill set uh, or, or whatever, and, and you kind of rotate that um, representative 
uh, position throughout people in the local community. You know, every so often you go down and vote for whatever uh, important issue that the people want, and then you go back to doing what you're, you know, what you're, what you're trained to do or what you enjoy doing, that sort of thing. I don't think we need these full-time politicians who essentially all they do is campaign, 24-7, 365 campaign. And even after they um, win an election, usually the next day they're already starting the next campaign fund. They're just trying to constantly build, uh, you know, build a campaign fund, ask for donations, um, bribes, you know, from the 1%, obviously, because, you know, rural working class people don't have the disposable income that costs billions of dollars to run for president in the United States and probably millions to even become a member of the House. So, um, yeah, but what do you, what do you think about, I, I guess the biggest issue I see is just, just the money in politics. I mean, I think we need to really, so I like the idea, like, so for example, like I, I mentioned, it takes billions of dollars to be, uh, to run for president in the United States. I think the last election was $14 billion, maybe $17 billion apiece. Are, I'm sorry, seven billion a piece to run for president. What some countries do is they they uh, allow um, rep or candidates to have airtime on the public access media, so that maybe everyone gets a free say, so that you don't need to you know spend billions of dollars on ad advertisements and propaganda, but that everyone maybe once a week you get a full hour. Uh, to talk about whatever you want. You know, you can have a town hall, you can have a little lecture, whatever you want to do to talk about the issues. Maybe one hour a week leading up to the election, 52 hours or something like that, and it's all free. That would be one way to get the money out of politics so everyone has a free say. Maybe you're not allowed to put campaign signs out and, and buy additional advertisement. You get one hour a week on radio, one hour a week on whatever, cable television, uh, maybe one hour a week on Twitter or town hall or internet, you know, something like that, where um, everyone gets an equal footing. You know, it's not about how much money you get, but what's your issues, you know, the important things. Well, you, co you covered a lot of bases there. Um, in terms of electoral politics, Going back to the town hall concepts, all right, where people just get together, all right, you work out the issues, what you want, all right, and then from among yourselves, here's your delegate for Congress, all right? You got to talk that person in because maybe they don't want to go, but this person would be perfect for it. And somebody who focuses on the community, okay, not on the money or the overall economy. This whole GDP concept is complete crap. It is. I mean, all the growth in GDP goes to 1%. It doesn't go to everybody else. We're declining for crying out loud. Right. So it's, it's, it's a complete crap measurement. It's a complete crap system. And what we can do is build a system that we can all work together on. These, these town halls, all right, puts neighbor with neighbor. And they, what is an issue in one district might be a different issue in another district. And that's fine. All right, but all of that stuff should be local. It should be local. I mean, this issues of wars, we wouldn't be at wars. 800 million, 800 plus military bases around the world. I mean, that's absolutely insane. This is not what money should be spent on. Right? I mean, the choices that are made, all right, are all bad choices. From our perspective, as, as the 99%, they're all bad choices. Right, they're making choices that are benefit the one percent. Nobody benefits the ninety nine percent. Nothing does. More is always a racket. You in elections. 
War is always in a racket for the elites. The, the elites and the 1% always benefit from the wars. And who pays the cost of the wars? It's the working class and poor people that have to fight in it, that lose their lives you know, in that war. It's usually not the, the kids or the, the members of the 1% or the children of the 1% that fight in wars. It's usually kids of poor and working class people. Yeah, well, take a look at every election campaign. They, they come out with... Uh with their promises, their platform, that we're going to fight for health care for all and all that, that we're going to fight for affordable housing, that we're going to fight for this and that, right? Like, they know what they should be doing. They damn well know it's right on their platform. But then they get in there and they don't do it, right? It's all bullshit. All they do is bullshit to you every election cycle. You don't get anywhere. Actually, things just keep getting worse. Income disparity keeps growing. I mean, who needs, who needs a billion dollars? If you had $1 billion, I mean, and this is, this is how sick the 1% is, okay? Let me just go on this, because these people piss me right off, all right? The 1%, right, let's say you're a billionaire. Monday morning comes around. Are you going to be going to work to make it $1 billion and $1? <laughs> of course not. You're not going to do that. But these people do. That's exactly what they do. It's never enough. There is no end. The greed has no end. Those people are narcissistic psychopaths. Okay? And it's all about power. It's all about money. And it's all about to get something into their lives that they're never going to get because their souls are empty. Okay? Go these are disgusting, here. disgusting people. <laughs> The last place to put narcissistic psychopaths are in charge of things. You do not want them there. And that's what we've got. And that's that's the situation here. And if people can rise up, build communities, everything from the bottom up, equity, justice, equality, the whole thing. It's all about community. Love and respect, I mean, you can make the arts flourish. So let's, let's talk about what got you into politics. You became a climate activist. You joined in on protests, railway blockades. You were even arrested for blocking and construction yeah. equipment. So talk to me about that. Talk to me maybe about your first passion, the climate crisis. So, uh, how'd you get involved in all this stuff? Well, I've got a science. I've got science degrees. All right, and you know I worry about my kids and the future and all that. And I know that the climate crisis is real. Um, I can see sort of how it plays out. So, you know, I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, put some energy and all that, do what I can on the climate front. I mean, surely, you know, the government's just got to wake up and take action, right? It's the way I was thinking. And so I went out on the protest. We blocked railroads and police had to break it up. I blocked construction equipment, got arrested for that. Uh, ran for the Green Party. Okay, uh, went and did deputations to City Hall and did everything I could think of. And then, I, you know, it finally dawned on me that none of these things are going to work because it's an outright refusal for them to change their path. So then I noticed that everything, all the other groups that are fighting for, uh, you know, criminal justice rights. Uh, you know, social social justice, all these other issues, all right, are all running into the exact same brick wall at exactly the same place. 
So you fix one and you fix it all. And then that got me into the democracy. Okay, because that's what we've got to do. We've got to get power to the people or nothing is going to get changed. And we're just going to, it's like a trajectory that we're on, right? We're on a trajectory that's going downhill, downhill, downhill. It's picking up speed. If we don't change that trajectory, it's going to keep going in its path. That's how energy works. That's how physics works. Yeah, I think the only thing that saves the planet is democracy. I think that's the only thing that can save the planet from the climate crisis is democracy. So I agree with your thesis. If we start with democratically transforming society, we can save everything. And if we can't fundamentally democratically change our society and our institutions, we're all doomed. And uh, whether it's nuclear war or the climate crisis or some other capitalist uh, 1% driven crisis, uh, yeah, we're screwed. Well, that's 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 exactly it. And um, that that means power to the people. So I spent... I spent a couple of years of digging up everything that I can about democracy. That's why I found Ralph Nader, you know, at Harvard, a constitutional lawyer and all that. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to a lot of his speeches. Uh, YouTube's a great, uh, it is. got a lot of good stuff. I, I agree. And I got into Chris Hedges and all this other stuff and just absorbed it all. And, uh, you know, and I, and I looked, I looked, I looked really hard. I mean, how do we change these things? Well, other than, uh, you know, somehow building an army, um, the only way to change it is to move power to the people. Ralph Wade was right. Power grows quickly. You've got to unite the people. Then I got into Malcolm X, uh, Fred Hampton and all that kind of thing. And realizing we've got to unite people. What we got to do is we got to stand together on our common ground. As for our differences, we'll work them out later. Let's win this fight against the 1%, win the class war, we'll take care of our differences later. And they will be far and few between because all the major things will already be solved. I think you talked about the maybe building an army. I think we're, we're, we'd be, we're doomed if we build an army. I think the, the right or the 1%... Um, they control the governments worldwide. They control the militaries worldwide, nuclear weapons, tanks, all that kind of stuff, the guns. So I think if we want to play the same game that they play, which is violence, we're going to lose, likely. Uh, you know, it'll be bloody, and the play is right into their hands. What we have is the power to persuade, the power of idea. We have the, you know, we have the, we, we have things that people are, we have things and ideas that appeal to people, like again, affordable health care, free health care, college, daycare, social security, um, you know, maybe unemployment insurance, housing, housing affordable housing. housing. We have all the ideas. About, all they have is the ability to care access. Yeah, how about access to healthy food? There's all those, all those food wastelands all over the place. Okay, look at take a look at it, look at people's health. It's going to deteriorate over across my lifetime. Life expectancy is actually going down. Life expectancy in the yeah. United States yeah. is actually going down. We have the worst health comes health outcomes in the industrialized world. We pay two times greater than any other industrialized country. I think we pay um, five, or I'm sorry, Cuba pays five percent uh, per capita on healthcare than, than the United States does, with about the same outcomes. So yeah, we're we're. Definitely not using utilizing the resources we have available. The United States is the richest country in the history of the world. We have no enemies. We should have living standards greater here than anywhere else in the world, and we don't. 
We have some of the worst, you know, living standards and some of the worst wealth inequality anywhere. And that's because, again, we're just <laughs> propagandized. We're controlled by the 1%. Mm-hmm. This um, free market capitalism dogma, um, you know, where our safety nets uh, have totally been dismantled. Uh, it's, it's accelerating. Wealth inequality is only getting worse. Our health outcomes are getting worse. All the while, our uh, retirement ages are increasing. So, you know, m- many people at best will have a couple years at the end of their life to enjoy maybe going to doctor's appointments instead of going out with dignity. And the right, and they're also, you know, trying to cut um, Social Security and Medicare. Whatever limited safety nets we have, they're trying to cut those too. Those are the problem. You know, those, those, those people problem. getting a handout on Social Security, you know, maybe maybe 500 bucks or a thousand bucks a month. Those that's the problem. Not the, not the people like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates or Warren Buffett uh, worth over a hundred billion dollars. I mean, if we just tax them out of existence, we can pay for any program we wanted. And the people get together and have all the power. We could eliminate billionaires and billionaires. That's right. Really? Tax them right out of existence. Make them extinct. We should. Yeah. And that's, no, but people can do that. It's called an income tax. It's called a wealth tax. Wealth tax. Boom. It's all gone. It's all gone. Poof. Just like that. That's why they don't want us uniting, by the way. Because they know we have this power. They know we have it. The one thing that scares them is us uniting. That's the one thing that scares them. And their fear is real. And I want to see them scared. That's what I want. Let's scare the hell out of them. And, and one thing, I, I mentioned, um, I think earlier today, um, but also on previous podcasts, uh, the Supreme Court, it's like 20% uh, approval. It's, I think it's at it's all-time low. You also have Joe Biden presidency, uh, historically low approval. It seems pretty unlikely that yeah. Biden will win re-election. Uh, he, I guess uh, the last four presidents that have had um, approval ratings as low as his did not win re-election, but the problem is we're probably going to get Trump if we don't get Biden, which is two absolutely horrible choices. But the other thing is Congress, too. Congress uh, frequently flirts with single digits here in the United States, approval ratings, sometimes uh, you know, in the teens or low 20s. I mean, just very, very low. And then the, the fact that like 20% or, or, or so um, approve of Congress, I think those people need, to, need a, a mental health evaluation because how could you possibly, you know, approve of this dysfunctional Congress. But the other thing is uh, incumbents in Congress win 97% of elections here, something like that, high 90s. So what that shows us is choices are not being presented. They're very, very unpopular, and yet they win elections very, very frequently. And that's because, you know, choices aren't being presented. Um, We don't have options. Whether it's Republican or Democrat, you're voting for the same thing, essentially, right? You are. You get the blue one or you get the red one, man. That's it. I mean, your preference of color, really, that's all it is. And I'll tell you, like on this election, this clown show, I mean, what's it going to be? I don't think it's going to be Trump versus Biden at all. I mean, they've got all, they're working their asses off to get that rectified. I got a feeling it's going to be Hillary versus Haley. That's what I think it's going to, it's going to be. Either that, that or they're going to uh, cancel it due to martial law or something like that. I wouldn't put that past them either, because uh, I, I, they want, the Republicans want to get rid of Trump. They want him off the ballot. And Biden, me, Christ, even if they nominate him, he can't even do it except the speech. So yeah. he's gone. 
Yeah. They're going to be Kamala Harris, but she can't do anything. She's out in loopy land somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, Hillary's there. It's her turn, man. It always is. So, you know, she's the expert. They'll do it at the convention so people don't get a choice and they'll put it in. And that's what it'll be. And, you know, and then you got Nikki Haley, who's the Republican Hillary wannabe, you know. Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna have to figure this out if they if they can. I, I think it's gonna so be Trump Biden, Biden, but uh, that's me. I think it's gonna be Trump Biden. I think it's gonna be the rebatch that nobody wants, and uh, someone's gonna have to win that. But maybe you're right. I'm not sure. Uh, we got about ten uh, minutes. I got, a I got a bucket of Hillary. Yeah, I've got a bucket of Hillary. Okay, I got a buck right now. Okay, <laughs> it right, doesn't matter. It's a clown show. Man. It is. It's yeah, a clown it's, show. It's, it's a. It's a uh, it's a public relations exercise. It's a, uh, you know, it's a circus. Uh, it's meaningless. It's just a, it's just a distraction from uh, the real political things that are going on every single day. Uh, and I think we should focus on the local community, not that, not the quadrennial extravaganza, uh, the presidential uh, election that happens once every four years. It's bought and sold and gift wrapped to the one percent, uh, controlled by elites and the corporations that they run. Um, but yeah, real change. Bottom up change. The house districts. Oh yeah, for sure. We got yeah, about ten house, minutes. House districts, are, house districts are the perfect place. I dig it. All right, from place to put a stake in the ground. Because once you got people at town halls, you can break out into you know community town halls and into cities and counties and what have you, and all those elected officials. You can move up to the POTUS deal. So I town halls is the one that makes sense. It means we got to organize 435 districts though. So that's gonna that's gonna be the big lift. But uh, you know, I'm, I I I think we can do it because the groups are there, the people are there, the people are definitely there. And what is it going to take? Is it going to take Christ a thousand people make a big huge difference? It gets it going, and the energy just takes off from there. So I I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna make some noise. Anything you want to get to that gonna, we haven't discussed yet? Any anything, uh, any issues or projects or anything you're you're uh, would like to speak on right now? We uh, again, we got about eight minutes now to go. Well, you know, my my concern is you you brought this up a little earlier and all that, and the right versus the left type of thing. Are you saying that you're coming from the left? I I I try hard to. Uh, to avoid those completely, to be honest. I mean, I could, a lot of people say I'm left, but then a lot of people say I'm right. I guess it depends on how I'm looking at it. My politics um, is working like class said, politics. That's what I like. And I think I consider yeah, myself an arco-syndicalist. Exactly. And that's your class work most of it's the working class. Okay. It's, it's the, uh, um, well, it's everybody who's been, you know, left behind by the 1%. It's basically all of us. I, you know, it'll be 10% of people who think they're pushy and all that kind of thing, but that's okay. We don't need that. Right? They, you talked about the military and all that kind of thing and the cops. Well, the bulk of them are working people too. Not yeah, but see, I think they're people. on the wrong side. I think that they're on the side of the elites. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely on the wrong side. But Chris Hedges put this the right way. Okay. Those that manage manage them, all right? In a revolution, because that's what it is. We're, we're looking here at a peaceful revolution. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Peaceful it's revolution. One 
Yep. Then the leaders that say mini wags or whatever, when they, some of them start to say, hey, you know, these people that I'm pressing over the heads of this protest or this action or whatever, oh, hey, these guys, why am I doing this? Why am I protecting the assets of these 1% assholes when these are the people that I live with in my community and all the rest of it? And they lay down their weapons. That's it. That's where the revolution ends because then it's over. Okay, that's where everything changes. Chris Hedges put it in more better words than I have. That that is the type of thing that ends revolutions. That's what does because now, you know what? The emperor has no clothes. He's standing there. The curtain has been pulled back. He's exposed for who he is. That Epstein list of stuff is coming out now. I haven't heard it out yet today, but that's coming out. Those kind of people that are going to be on it, they're all going to be protected from prosecution. That's just going to be more rage put into the people. People are pissed off. How many people now are just one transmission away from poverty? Okay, can't get to work, cars toast, can't make it. More and more people are slipping into it. Homeless population has increased. 40% of the homeless people out there are working full time jobs. Wow, I did not realize that one. Interesting. Percent. Wow. They're living in their cars and shit. I mean, that's nuts. That is All right, nuts. and that is trending. That is trending in one direction, and it's the wrong direction. Okay, we're all getting caught up into it. more and more of us are getting caught up into it every day. We're all living. We're all living in a in a society where we're just one step away from falling off the cliff. So we're living in the constant fear of that. The banks are owning the homes. These black rocks and all these people are buying up residential homes, left to right, renting it back. Rental yeah, and then jacking up the rent for the rest of us. Squeezing people out of communities and all the rest of it. I mean, how could somebody make minimum wage? Because they can't even raise minimum wage. There's another thing. They can't even raise. It's still seven and a quarter an hour. Incredible. What about legalization of pot, for Christ's sakes? I think the majority of Republican voters even want that. Yeah, they don't care, though. Because the reason that we have to criminalize drugs is it's a a race war. It's a class war. uh, It's a way to, you know, lock up minorities. That's why they have to have the drug war. Or it's a a charade that they call the drug war. But it's ridiculous. Because, of course, uh, drug usage... Uh, is about the same throughout different racial groups and throughout different groups of society. Well, right-wing right wing people are close to being poverty, too. Right-wing people find themselves homeless, too. They're right. all facing the same issue. That's right. They're all facing the same issue. Every damn one of us, right? Some of them longer than others. And I'll tell you, with, uh, you know, the uh, I'm watching a lot of black-based podcasts and all that kind of thing. All right. And I'm I'm getting a lot of knowledge and all that from it. And I like what I'm hearing. Mostly because they know what it's like to be oppressed more than we do. They're used to it. They have experience in it. So I'm learning from them. Okay, that's how I see that. It's a huge learning experience. Right? So I bring all the sin in and the and the it's it's the rage, it's justified rage that we have. 
We have to direct it appropriately. We have to direct our rage appropriately. We have to be constructive, not yes, destructive. But it's justified. Hey, but the rage is is against the system that they are giving us and exploiting us all with. Let me, let me, let's wrap this up here. We'll, we'll do it again. Let's stay in touch. We got less than two minutes to go. I have here Dan Solowski uh, coming to us from uh, Ontario, Canada. He's got a sub stack. Uh, again, maybe about a minute now, minute and a half. Promote anything you'd like. Uh, and we're going to have to wrap it up here. We got a hard out in about 90 seconds. Go ahead. Hey, well, like I mentioned, we're setting this up this movement, the permanent occupier, waiting for our website to get produced. We should be out within the next week or two. Um, and we're going to be building uh, 435 town halls across all the districts. And our website is now but you can uh, subscribe up to our Substack. It's the 99.substack.com, T-H-E-99.substack.com. Uh, that way, we've got you on the list. We're going to be producing a newsletter every twice a month, right? That gives you on our progress, our membership totals as we go, and we start building our power, building the power of the people. And this is grassroots. There are no leaders. We're organized. I'm an organizer. We're going to need facilitators. I'm a lousy facilitator, so we're going to need them. All right, we're going to need all these kinds of people. This is a people-driven system, and this is how we take our power back. All right, Dan. Class war. Class war. Power to the people. Solidarity forever. Over and out, my friend. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for your time. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest, Dan Solowski, on a great discussion tonight on politics and real democracy. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters. I'm out.